if you want to achieve greatness, you need to go, you need to put in the hard yards, you need to cop the shit, and you need to be prepared to put in the hours. As I said, it's that whole quote, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rate Active podcast. We're bringing you insightful conversations to help you live an active and inspired life. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel Jay, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest to the show today. He's the co-founder of Strong Pilates. He's the founder of Journey Retreats and is an extremely successful fitness entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Ramsey. Thank you, Rach. Thank you for that very professional introduction. <laughs> I always have to do the really formal intro and I know that I could just be like, hey, Rams, how's it going? I need to give the spiel so people know what you do. So I'm so excited that we finally get to sit down and chat because I feel like when we originally said that we would do this, it was a really long time ago. I think it was like, what, 18 months maybe? Yeah, it was, um, it was 18 months and sort of in that time, I think I moved to Queensland twice yeah. during during the pandemic because um, we had to get out of Melbourne to sort of keep moving forward. But yeah, I think I moved to the Gold Coast twice in that time and finally I'm back in Melbourne and now I've got a little bit of time for, you know, to sort of catch up with everyone and yeah, it's good. It's good to be able to chat now. Yeah, it's so good. I'm, I'm actually really glad that we waited because obviously there's been so much that has happened between then and now, especially with all the stuff with strong, which is so exciting to see. But one thing I do want to kind of say is that like you've been in this fitness space for a really long time. And I think way back in the day, you were a PT, right? And so I'm really interested to know what was the initial draw into the fitness industry? Were you always an active kid into sport and all that kind of stuff? Um, kind of. So I've, I've been in and out of the fitness space. Um, I was actually, I was really into sport, but when I was sort of growing up and going to high school, I was going to be a professional piano player. And wow. I, um, I remember, I think I was 16 and I broke my finger. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't broke, break it. I almost broke it and I sort of jarred it. And I realized that I couldn't keep doing sport um, right. because of the risk of injury that I couldn't do piano. Yeah. Um, so I ended up just going to the gym when I was 16 and lifting weights. And that's how I kind of got my, um, I guess, just that sort of physical um, sort of activity that I needed to sort of keep sane. Yeah. Um, and that's where I fell in love with it. And I ended up just doing my, my PT course when I was like 17. Um, I was a gym instructor from like 18. Wow. You know, it's just one of those... Um, standard like 24-hour gyms that we all, all all of us used to go to back in the day, yeah. you know, with the Les Mills classes and the, <laughs> all that sort of crap. Um, but look, I I loved it for, for like sort of a, a section of it where I got to write programs for people and I got to learn about physiology and all that sort of thing. And then when I started to become transitioned from like a gym instructor into a PT, I, I started to deal with all the stuff as a PT that, you know, you probably shouldn't have to deal with, but you do. So more of like a, being a psychologist yeah, than definitely. anything. And to be honest, like that's sort of where I lost my passion for it. I loved the group stuff. I loved um, I, I loved the whole concept of, of, of wellness, but the whole one-on-one stuff just wasn't for me. So mm. I ended up quitting when I was probably 21. Um when, you know, at the time I was studying marketing at uni, I went back to uni, I did a master's of commerce um, and ended up like going for a career more in sort of marketing commerce Yeah. Um, and didn't sort of come back to the fitness space till the age of 26 when I opened my first at 45. Wow. Wow, I didn't know that. But I mean, knew, knew that you kind of like entered in pretty early and then, but what's really cool about what you're doing is kind of combining your, I guess, love of fitness and all your commerce and marketing background into obviously entrepreneurship in the fitness space, which is really, really cool. Now, what's really exciting for me to see is the development of Strong, particularly as a Pilates trainer and I know when I first heard about the concept and it was well before you guys opened your first studio, which I think was at the end of 2019, wasn't it? Yeah. Because of course I'm friends with 
Tamia, who is your head of movement. And yep. so we had some really great conversations. And so I kind of got a little bit of an insight sort of behind the scenes leading up to the opening of all sort of the, the process of developing the programming and all of that kind of stuff. And we spoke a lot about the communication and how to communicate that, um, the concept of strong, because it's such an innovative concept, especially in Australia, like nothing like it has been um, brought here before. So can you explain to everyone listening what the workout actually is, consists of, um, and why it's so different from a traditional reformer Pilates class? Yeah, cool. So I think like what's really interesting about that, you know, when, when we first started, we're, com- we're completely different, I think, in the, the two years um, the, when we started to what we are now. Like originally we were le- legitimately just reformer or, or almost mega former, so more of a Legree-focused yeah. Pilates with bursts of interval rowing. Mm. So the concept was um, elevate your heart rate on the rower, continue that increased heart rate onto the mega former or the row former um, and, and get a really substantial calorie burn. So, you know, the thing we identified with Pilates was, yes, it's fantastic. Yes, you do all these amazing things for your body and your muscles, but it does lack that calorie burn that people need to achieve results. Mm. Um, you know, most people out there want to burn body fat. Yeah. Um, and most people want to look good, right? And you can't achieve that without a substantial calorie burn. So that's where we started. Um, and then we kind of realised there's a little bit more to this and there's a lot more that's required um, in this sort of low impact space, we started getting people not only from Pilates studios, but we started getting people from, um, you know, F45s and body fits and CrossFits. And we got people who bodies were probably a little bit overloaded, um, probably had, had been injured and kept re-injuring themselves mm. and wanted a low-impact option. So where it's sort of developed now is we try to be the heroes of low-impact training. Um, we're still Pilates to our core, I would say, but um, it is developing more into um, just more low-impact training, but we're using spring-loaded resistance instead of you know, traditionally dumbbells, barbells, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where it's at now. Um, but we still, yeah, we love the rower. It's not just, it's not just um, sort of high intensity rowing now. We do work on endurance. We work on different energy systems as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool to see sort of where it's heading. Yeah, and it's, it's nice because, because you guys are the first, you have that kind of leeway to experiment and sort of develop it to see also how the clients and members are, are going with their training and kind of adapt it towards, I guess, what they're, what they're enjoying, what they like and what they're getting out of it. One of the great things that I really love about it, because obviously I'm a huge advocate for strong, and I think too, like being a Pilates trainer, it, it's been cool to see that a lot of other trainers in the space have really taken to it because I think that's one of the telltale signs that it's something really, like you're onto something really awesome. Yeah, we, we call it, I mean, they're the early adopters, right? That's so right. The first, the first like two months we opened, um, all of our members were, were like KX trainers and um, <laughs> Core Plus trainers and like, it, and it was really cool to see that like all the Pilates trainers were training with us because that's when you sort of know you're onto something really cool and then yeah. um, takes a while. And, and fondly enough, men are actually the last piece of the puzzle. Mm. So, and I saw this with, with, you know, when I owned F45s, you know, years ago, um, those first sort of two, three years when we were growing the brand, we were like 95% female and guys, they're just such laggards like they just (laughs) guys do not want to change their ways and it just takes time for them to come across but yeah you're right um it was great getting everyone in nice and early yeah and I think I I think I was there on the first day with T because T at the start was coaching every freaking class um and it was great and I really loved it and then I think what the one thing that you obviously do get is that Pilates burn because there is this kind of muscle burn that you don't get with any other kind of training aside from Pilates. So you still get that resistance side with the with the reformer side or the mega former side with the focus on form and technique. But also on the rowing side, and I got to say, I'm not a huge 
rowing fan. Like the concept too is you do it because you know it's a great workout. But what I love about strong is that you're always coached to hit some targets when you're in that interval of doing your rowing. And so that always just makes you want to improve your form and technique so that you can actually get better and, and do well in your rowing component as well. So I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, and it's not um it's not uncommon for people to, to be like, I hate the rower and I don't want to I don't want to do strong because I don't like the rower. But um it's really almost when you're doing the workout, it's almost a relief because you could be doing a really heavy leg set, you know, under heavy spring loaded resistance and you just need a break. Yeah. And that break is is rowing and then you know you smash yourself on the rower might be three four five minutes interval rowing and then you kind of want to break from that so you go back to pilates and it's just a really there's a really nice sort of um flow between the two um but yeah we we are actually developing a um a bike version as well so we're doing yeah we're doing a concept two bike um this is going to be interesting yeah so my i mean my goal is to by sort of the end of next year is for every studio to be bike rower bike rower bike rower Um, wow that's gonna be so good and we get the spin people we get we basically get everyone then that's crazy that's gonna be so good yeah yeah so amazing and and i think i've heard you say too like a lot of people who do pilates i mean as a pilates trainer people ask me how many times a week should i do pilates and i always say you know yeah two three times or whatever but you also want to incorporate other kinds of training into your regime overall and so what the great thing about this is that you can actually just get it all done in one session because you don't have to then go and do your cardio elsewhere you get it with strong anyways that, that's right and, and i mean a lot of people have a cap on what they can spend on fitness as well yeah. so not everyone can afford to have a, to spend on a pilates class and have a f45 membership and have a gym membership um so we try to actually cover everything not just pilates not just you know your endurance training but also your progressive overload you know your, your proper sort of weight anaerobic um weight training mm. um everything so that they can sort of pay that $70 a week and have a full solution, um, which I think is super important because that's where it's at. Um, In saying that though, I I have this sort of feeling that people need to sort of um, stop fucking spending money on on dinners and drinks and <laughs> like how, how often do how often will people go blow two three hundred dollars on a dinner right and yeah. then they're arguing about a a, a thirty dollar a week membership at the gym or yeah. it's just ridiculous where a lot of our mindset is um, in relation to what we're willing to spend on but yeah that's one thing I'm hoping to sort of change yeah you know throughout this journey. Find your values. Exactly. Yeah. Where I mean, go out for dinner, of course, like enjoy. But also this is like an investment to your health, right? That's how I kind of see it. So you kind of mentioned their progressive overload. So can you speak to a little bit about the benefits of, because this is kind of the more exercise science behind the different aspects of the strong workout. So there's progressive overload. There's muscle, you know, obviously you need that for muscle adaptation. Some people listening might not really know what that means or why you need that and obviously having an elevated heart rate with the cardio. So can you speak to that and explain why that's all incorporated into the strong workout? Sure. So one thing I sort of identified with the Pilates space and I don't want to offend anyone but I found that, you know, there's a lot of marketing out there that's like grow a booty and Mm -hmm. do this and do that Um, when, when really... When you're working aerobically, when I mean that, you're not getting any rest. So you might be working for, call it a 10-minute Pilates flow um, and you're not getting any rest. You're working aerobically. It's actually quite hard to build muscle. Mm. It's not impossible, but it's quite hard. Whereas if we're when we're working anaerobically and we're working on progressive overload where we're literally lifting um, a weight one week um, and we're resting, so we might do, say, a 40-second set of something and we'll rest for 20 seconds, then we'll repeat that, go again, 40 seconds, rest for 20. Then the following week, we may be able to increase that weight a little bit. Anyway, that stress on the muscles is actually helping you build muscle. Mm. Um, and, and that's sort of, that's really the, probably the most basic way of explaining it. Um, so I, like my goal is to actually get our members to achieve um, hypertrophy and grow, grow a booty and actually sort of, 
you know, cut the bullshit and say, well, to, to, to do this, we need to be working anaerobically, we need to rest, we need to lift heavy, we need to challenge ourselves. You can't just do an, an aerobic Pilates flow and expect for your body to look like your favourite influencer because mm. it doesn't work like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's why it's all... I think it's really important to understand the the science behind why the programming is done the way that it is and it's done with intention so that you do get the results that you want, right? So the Rowformer is a really unique piece of equipment, right? Like it's it's an interesting contraption because it's got obviously the megaformer side on it and then it's got the rower. I'm kind of interested to know though how... Well, let's track back to firstly how you found Pilates personally because that was probably the first step before you even got to the row former part, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So when I was I was this I was actually in the process of selling my F45s. This is like probably three years ago. Um, I'd broken my ankle. Um, I was I was doing a campaign for Adidas and I was literally running and I'd I'd sort of rolled my ankle and I, I, I fractured my fibula, right? And then I would go over to as part of my rehab, I'd go over to um, my my friend Jake's house. He's a he's clinical um, Pilates teacher, um, very intelligent guy, and he would help me with my rehab, and I loved it. Right, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and like I'd progressed from doing ankle stuff to full body stuff to core, and I was like, this is awesome. But then I would finish up, and then I would go do a hit session, yeah. right. And that's when I sort of realized, hang on, if we can combine all of this and have all the little intricacies that you can achieve in Pilates and then also have a substantial calorie burn, there's definitely something in this. Um, anyway, at, at the time as well, my housemate, she had found the Rowformer on Instagram and she showed me and she said, you know, you should really look at this. It, it's in the US. Um, and so throughout that process I was like okay fuck it I'm just gonna jump on a flight I'm gonna go to the US I'm gonna check it out um and yeah we got there um did a class um and it was it was really interesting stimulus like I'd never experienced I guess going from um being sort of really out of breath on the rower and then going back and holding a plank under resistance and Mm -hmm. and just having those two sort of um I guess fast twitch, slow twitch, sort of working together was was really quite unique. And every time I did a class, I got this amazing endorphin rush. Yeah. And I was like, "This is actually there's something here, right?" Yeah. Um, but in the US, um, you know, the studio I went to it only had ten reformers. Um, it was it was an okay experience, but I think it lacked a lot of the things that we require in the market to. Um, to achieve a, you know, a really kind of thriving, profitable studio, mm-hmm. things with the customer experience, um, even sort of down to the, the lights and the music and the, um, all those little things I thought needed work um, and also the di- diversity in the classes. So there was sort of one type of class. Yeah, right. Um, and then they also had a Pilates only and a row only class and that was it. Yeah. Um, there's so much you can do on the row former. There's once you start bringing in, like we've got up to 20 kilo dumbbells are strong now. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, and we'd never use them sort of throughout a decent Pilates flow because it doesn't make sense and you try and get the resistance from the springs. But when you are trying to achieve muscle adaptation, it's good to actually be able to have heavy dumbbells, right? Yeah. So anyway, it's the brain started ticking and me and my business partner, Mark, um, who's been with me since their 45 days, we were like, okay, let's do this. Um, and we end up buying the rights for Australia, New Zealand, Asia and Canada. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and then, yeah, here we are. Here we are. And it's all kind of going and everything. And so I guess the one thing too that that is interesting about uh, strong is, well, I mean, I guess Pilates traditionally is, like you said earlier, very female dominated and group fitness in general I think is anyways but there's been so much interest from males getting into strong so what do you think it is about this particular workout specifically that is helping men become more interested in Pilates really because I mean you know it might be intimidating too for a guy to go into a reformer class because it's Mm. mainly girls really yeah and and that was probably the like when you go into strong there's TVs and, and you, you you watch the TVs 
and the instructor actually clicks through to the exercise. So it's still instructor-led. It's not on a timer, but the instructor controls the TVs. The reason we did the TVs was we are so gender neutral in our branding. You know, it's strong. It's it's black and white. There's a splash of blue, but it's we're so gender neutral. Um, I was in all like the old promotional stuff as well. So <laughs> it looks like it's for guys as well. But when the guys would come in, they would get so lost because they've never, most of them had never done Pilates. And we would always be like, um, so let's say Liv was in the, you know, Liv, yeah. one of our trainers, she'd be in the class. And we'd be like, okay, everyone watch Liv, you know. And at the end of the day, I'm thinking, fuck, why don't we just get TVs? <laughs> like we're, we're pointing to one hero in the class anyway. Mm. Um, and that's not just for the guys, it's for, you know, the girls as well that sort of didn't know what they were doing. Um, and everyone's like, no, you can't do TVs. You're going to ruin it. Like, whatever. And I'm like, nah, fuck it. We're getting TVs. Um, and so I think that as soon as we got the TVs in, the got, we saw such a huge conversion of males yeah, and right. a retention of males as well. So they weren't just coming in and, and, and training, getting a 10-pack and then not coming back yeah. after their 10-pack. Yeah. Um, so that's been huge. Um, and I think just secondly that our messaging and – and, and making them comfortable and um, even like the ambassadors we're bringing on and yeah. it's not a space that I that I love like I'm I'm quite a, quite over the whole Instagram world um, <laughs> but you know we've we've just bought on um, Travis Boak um, AFL player as an ambassador and he's he's amazing he attributes a lot of his longevity in his career to Pilates. Mm. Um, and so just bringing on those kind of guys and, and showing showing males that it's, you know, it, it, it's so good for you um, and it's not a female, Pilates is not just a female thing. Um, it's been really advantageous. Yeah. 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 And you know what's really funny because when you do go into, if you go into a Pilates studio and you see, like I, I remember one of the classes that I did like back in the day as in a strong workout and there were, I would say half the class were male, was male and this is before you had the TVs. A lot of the guys are just like, what am I doing? Like I don't even know what I'm supposed mm. to And then the other funny thing is I think, always glute work gets guys for some reason. Like they're just the burn. I don't know if you guys just don't do that kind of training very often. So it's like so new and – but it's really great to see how many guys are going into doing the workout and being introduced to Pilates. Yeah, I, I don't think most guys have activated their glutes yeah. properly <laughs> like until they do strong and then they're like, oh, fuck, that's like – That's what it's supposed to feel like. that's what it feels like. But we're fixing like we're out, out of deep – like out of, out of chance we're, 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 we're fixing so many issues like lower back issues mm. and these guys that come in and they're just broken, their bodies are broken, they, they start doing a couple of weeks of strong and all of a sudden their core's good, they're getting glute activation and they're – bringing that into their running and they're mm. bringing that into their strength training and they're better. Like it's it's really cool to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what it's all about, right? That's why we're in this space. When we work in this space, ultimately the end goal is to help the member or the client with their health and fitness journey. So when you can see something like that, that's the thing that's sort of very um, fulfilling, I suppose, you know, on, on the customer scale end of things. So obviously being a really successful fitness entrepreneur, um, particularly with your F45 studios, I feel like that was sort of what I think what people kind of know you for, especially like, you know, those ones sort of inner city, Port Melbourne and um, South Yarra. So I'm kind of interested to know what were the biggest things you learned about yourself going through your F45 journey? Um, definitely that my, my biggest lesson was like everyone started somewhere mm. and like you, you can see people within two, three, four years become an expert in their field and the biggest lesson I thought was like why not me? Like why can't I be the one leading this? Mm. Remember I, I just had like a, a marketing background. I wasn't really overly – I wasn't actually technically that great at PT either. I had to sort of go back and study some more. But um, yeah, the biggest lesson was just backing myself. Um, and then, you know, we, we end up having Port Melbourne end up being uh, winning best year on the world three years in a row. Um, you know, we had South Yarra would win best in its sort of division. Well, all the studios did, you know, mm -hmm. Darwin. We had two in Darwin. We had Ascot Vale. We had Geelong. Um and so that was that was an amazing lesson to go, okay, why not me? Why can't I be 
the, at the top of the food chain mm. here and why can't I really give this a crack and be the best? Mm. Um, because I, I'd never really kind of backed myself to do anything really. I was a bit of a party boy. I was working in nightclubs on the weekend. I wasn't taking my marketing role seriously. I'd rock up to work at 10 a.m. Um, and um, yeah, but it's sort of like, it's that old sort of saying, you know, hard work does pay off. And it is, you have to, you have to put in the hours. I think, I, I think for the first six months of opening my first F45, I opened every class at 5.15 in the morning. I closed every class. I'd get out at 8.30 at night. I'd signed up personally, me and my business partner, Mark, we signed up personally, every single member up to sort of like 250 members and then we got staff to take over after that. Mm. But it was, um, it was pretty cool. But then I guess exiting, uh, what I learned about myself was just not to... Um, also not to accept um, things that you're probably not passionate about after a while. And I, I got to a point with F45 where I didn't really like the workouts. I thought a lot of them were getting quite ridiculous. Mm. You know, you'd, you'd walk in and there'd be an exercise where you're jumping over a hurdle with a medicine ball above your head. And I, I've, I felt that that sort of stuff was didn't align with where I wanted to be in the fitness space. And, and that's one of the big reasons we sold out. Um, was because we just, I don't know, it just wasn't heading in the right direction. Yeah. And I wasn't passionate about it anymore and um, I didn't like, um, even though I tried to give a lot of feedback, um, yeah, it just sort of, it, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I think that's a really key point too is to understand to have your passion aligned with your values and what you're doing because otherwise, obviously, like you were saying, it takes so much hard work to build a business that if you don't love what you're doing, you're just naturally not going to put in the hours, right? And so also as an entrepreneur, you want to feel like, I know at times it's going to feel like work, but most of the time it doesn't when you're doing something that you love, right? So I think that's really cool. The other thing I think obviously as an entrepreneur you would deal with a lot is uncertainty and risk because there's not a lot of stability in terms of really knowing what the outcome is going to be or what the future is going to hold. What's your process for dealing with uncertainty and risk? Yeah, I mean there's only so much you can analyse, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's um, going through business models, ensuring things are profitable to... Um, campaigns, you know, knowing if, if, if brand campaigns are going to work or getting the right people involved or programming different workouts. And it's actually quite daunting. And when you've got so many different business units within one, so Strong is a franchise. So not, not only are we dealing with memberships, we are dealing with things like merchandise and and, and academy, you know, where we're providing education. And, um, and then we've got brand alignment with all sorts of things. So um, at the end of the day, I don't think there is um, one thing that, that can help deal with the often anxiety um, <laughs> uh, other than honestly, like I just have a fantastic team and a great business partner. Mm. Generally, me and Mark will sit down and it can, we can talk about things for two minutes and work them out or we can talk about things for five hours, bring in, you know, um, specialist accountants and bring in specialist people to talk about it and sometimes that's what the problem requires mm. um, but yeah I don't know I, I still am learning a coping mechanism and I still have sleepless nights and I still get extreme anxiety about stuff but um, you know at the end of the day you can I, I think you just need to be as calculated as possible and, and back yourself yeah yeah kind of do the things that you can control I suppose and then I guess it's almost like see what sticks and and then change like you need to be adaptable obviously and flexible as an entrepreneur things are constantly changing right yeah and that's probably like I'm the ultimate pessimist and my staff probably hate it but nothing is ever good enough so I'm constantly like no we can be better we can do this better we can constantly be better but that's sort of your basic fundamentals of uh, of, of of your business life cycle right if you don't innovate you will recess and you will die, okay? Mm -hmm. So you see businesses come in for three years and then they're gone the next two. Like they're in literally on the decline, see you later. Mm -hmm. The only way you can continue your business life cycle is to continually innovate, 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 innovate. Um, and yeah, I guess it's uh, what the role I sort of play in the business is constant innovation. Like, like we talked about with the tech the bikes, mm. um, the different programming, the, even the brand stuff is constant. It's just constant innovation always. 
and Mark, my business partner, deals with more the operational stuff. So your day-to-day, um, he deals with, you know, the, the selling of the franchises and the personal relationships. And he kind of like hides a lot of the, shields me from a lot of the crap because <laughs> he, he just wants me to do my thing. And it's yeah. it, it's a really good partnership. Yeah, that's great because you get yeah. to focus on the big picture stuff and kind of looking forward to where you want to take the brand. Um, and the concept, which is really cool. Um, so the other thing I'd like to ask you is what were the biggest challenges you had to overcome with F45 or with Strong? Obviously, like, we've just had COVID, so that was a massive one that we've just had to go through. Yeah, look, I, I still don't use COVID as an excuse. Like, we're, we're, we're up to, I think, 63 studios that we've sold. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and we still, like... If we had to move to Queensland, we moved to Queensland and whatever. Like there's still ways of progressing. So I think COVID is is not an excuse, but it's something to be mindful of. Um, in terms of like the biggest challenges, and it's been for both F45 and Strong, was um, building brand equity. So literally not having anyone know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, we were number 10 in the world with F45. There's now what like... Oh, God knows. Um, probably many. thousands. One on every corner pretty yeah. much, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we had to build this brand from scratch um, in Melbourne and, you know, that was that was seriously hard. It took it took a, a solid sort of 18 months mm. um, and we sort of led, led the way there and then to have to do it all again with Strong was, was quite difficult and still is difficult but mm. now I'm not growing a local brand I'm trying to grow an international brand and that in itself has huge challenges um but it's it's cool like it's really fun as yeah, well like, yeah I'm not yeah it's really cool to see because I think like like we were saying when we when we first were talking about doing this podcast episode it was we were probably just on lockdown or, or it hadn't quite started or something like that and Strong was had just opened the flagship studio in Elstonwick and so you may be like six months in. and But now like looking at what you've done in the space of 18 months through COVID mm. has been quite amazing to see, you know, um, yeah, the progress. Yeah, and it's I think it's really a testament to the franchisees that have come on board and trusted us as well. Um, a lot of them have committed during this time, not knowing if they can open. Like, mm. and like, there's still like our flagship in Auckland hasn't been able to open for you know six months. It's been ready to go. They've pre-sold 200 members and they're just sitting there. But they trust us. They've they actually bought six licenses. Um, you know, these guys are just they they believe so much in what we're doing, and I think um, the concept itself speaks so much. Um, in regards to that, like there is this huge gap in the market. There seriously is between Pilates, strength and conditioning, hit, and and I really do think that this is is going to be, you know, a huge success. Mm, yeah, yeah. And you can really tell too, like you you guys, you and Mark, are just you're in it, you know. And so that I think too, that's what sells it because as the owners of it, the founders of it you kind of need to be the leaders in that space in terms of, of believing in the concept because if you don't, then it's just going to fall flat. So it's, that's really cool to see. What would be your top advice for either fitness professionals or creative entrepreneurs who want to create their own business? Fitness professionals is a really interesting. It probably resonates with with business as well. It's just community is key. So community is everything. And, um, you know, I've done the the whole PT thing and um, I, I can assure you that when you do take a risk and open your own facility or or go in with someone to open your own facility and, and really back yourself, every hour that you put into it is for you. So if you're sort of sitting on the cusp where you're like, I, you know, I'm not sure whether to do this. Um, you know, you do have to spend a certain amount of time learning your craft, right? But I think when the when when it comes time to to back yourself and hit it hard, I would be taking loans out. I would be putting everything on the line to do it because um, really, it's it's very achievable. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it is so much more rewarding to be putting all your hours in the day, whether it's a 12-hour day or a 15-hour day, um, and it's all just for you. It comes back to you as opposed to, you know, working for someone else and mm. 
I don't know. And I guess that's a very, it's a very entrepreneurial mindset. But um, mm. certainly if anyone's in that transition phase, that's what I'd be be, be looking just for. Just do it. Yeah. Just take a, take a leap of faith and do it. Yep. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people like to know about what, I guess, fitness people do in terms of their training and nutrition. I get asked it a lot, but you've been a PT before and you're in the space. So what does your training look like? How many sessions a week will you do? What kind of training workouts do you do? Cool. So um, it fluctuates. Um, I'm definitely um, pretty inconsistent in how much I train. So I'll always try and get four to five sessions in regardless of what it is, if it's strong, if it's resistance training, if it's whatever. Um, but quite often, like when I'm, when I'm really um, working, working well and, and I'm in a really good space and I've got time, um, I will do, um, I will lift weights every single day mm. and I'll do a, a, a proper like five day split um, of, of literally lifting heavy weights mm-hmm. um, and then I'll try and get a conditioning session or a Pilates session in the afternoon. Oh, wow, as yeah. well as? As well, yeah. Wow, that's um, a lot. And that, that's like my dream is to eventually be able to have enough time that I can train that much and, yeah. and, and, and not have to be worried about, you know, what's going on at work or whatever else. So, yeah, um, yeah I was at, when I was living on the Gold Coast the last sort of six months, I found this really cool concept called NQ and um, they were, yeah, they did these really cool sort of resistance splits. So I would do that in the mornings and then I would do strong at night. Had a little bit more time when I was in Queensland. Things just seem a little bit more relaxed. Slow pace there, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, look, that's my ideal training split. But at the moment, it's kind of inconsistent. It's, it's, It's however... You know, like I was saying to you before we started this podcast, you know, this this week I've actually slept in until like 7.30 in the morning every morning because um, I know that I've really needed it because yeah. um, I've been exhausted. We've, I was literally last week I was in um, Adelaide on Wednesday night launching a studio. Then Thursday night I was in Newcastle. Friday came back, we had 2022 planning with the whole team and we flew them all down to Melbourne. Then Saturday we had our Christmas party and I was just like, nah, I need to sleep this week. So, um, you know, I think you've got to listen to your body as well. Yeah, um, that's, a key. Yeah. that's a key one. I think like, you know, we all want to hit it hard and, and train, but I feel, I feel like that's been the same for a lot of, like I've had to peel my training back too recently because it's just everything that's going on. It's a crazy time of year at the moment. Um, so what do, you, what do you actually eat during the day? Do you follow a, a particular uh, nutritional approach? Um, yeah, I've been I've been trying to drop a bit of body fat recently, so I'm sort of restricting myself to two meals, um, mm. which is I find the easiest way um, to keep me in sort of a calorie deficit. But I'm big on um, eating plants, so although I'm not vegan, I've you know one of my good mates, Simon Plant Proof. I don't know if you follow yeah, him on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really educated me on on the benefits of just eating plants, and I feel a lot better when I do. So. Um, look, I'm always trying to get at least, you know, a, a disgusting green um, juice in me every day. Um, and then I, I'll also work on eating plants and then hitting protein targets as well. Yeah. So I'll still try and have, you know, I don't know, maybe 120 grams of protein a day plus if I can. Yeah. Um, and, and I find that just keeps me consistent. Um, but... Yeah, I think once you, you know, I used to do the whole macro split, the whole mm. counting calories and I, I don't really like it now but I know my body well enough to go, okay, here's my portion size, here's what I should be eating. Um, I eat a lot of kangaroo, believe it or not. Wow, it yeah. was very lean, isn't it, that meat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's sort of my lunch most days is yeah, like right. veggies and kangaroo. Yeah. Um, but I don't like it. It tastes gamey to me, like. Yeah. Some people love it. Some people don't really like it that much. Yeah, I don't know. I've just I've been really into it lately. Um, it's your thing at the moment. But then I'll still smash like chocolate and stuff as well. Yeah. If I'm feeling like it. And like, Can't you know, not have chocolate. Yeah, have to be Adam. It's hard this time of year. It know? really is. I know. And and we've all also like it's been a hard couple of years as well. So I think we're all a little bit like you know a little bit of indulgence is, never goes astray. I don't think. Yep. So you also run journey retreats, which is all about holistic and a holistic approach to health and wellness. Um, and 
I guess even the motto is swing the balance, which is, which kind of just signifies the the balanced approach to health and fitness. So what are the other elements of wellness you think we should be incorporating into our lives? Like what are your top health and wellness tips that you do? Yeah, so one of the big ones that we've just, we just sort of brought into Journey, just sort of pre-pandemic, um, and then we did, we actually managed to run a few retreats during COVID, which is amazing. Did you get Sammy's in? You didn't quite, did you? No, he's... He will do. He, he's in March, yeah. Yeah. But he's he's just selling well um, now, so yeah, it's really exciting. Um, but mobility is yes. huge. So, um, we we were we started taking full mobility seminars at Journey, um, teaching people, you know, how to like literally how to how to stretch properly, um, but but also. It showing them the importance of, of you know good ankle flexion and, and 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 showing them what happens when you don't have good mobility as well um, and ironically we're about we're actually launching this in the next I think 20 minutes what we, we, yeah so we've we've put now every strong studio is going to be fitted with TV screens and there's a 10 minute flow um, in reception and, and Lululemon have provided all the studios with mats and people get to do a 10-minute mobility flow before or after their workout. Oh, and, wow. and that mobility flow is related to the workout they do. So today was an upper body loaded strong session mm-hmm. and the flow is an upper body um, mobility flow. Fab. Um, so it's one thing that I'm really passionate about now and I think anyone worth their weight in gold in the fitness industry is doing mobility. Mm-hmm. Um Again, this is more innovation stuff that I'm like obsessed with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's there's this really cool campaign that we're literally kicking off in 20 minutes. Um, and it's been six months in the making. Yeah. Um, this tech takes a while to build out. Um, yeah, even like filming everything and getting it right and yeah. So yeah, mobility, mobility is, key. is the short answer or the long <laughs> answer to that question. No, mobility is yeah, so important too for also injury prevention, right? And you want to be able to it's more it's more to help you move your muscles efficiently and effectively. Even though I feel like we know that we need to do this stuff, but for some reason like it's just not something that we incorporate. So it's great that you you are incorporating that into the strong regime. Yeah. Which is really and cool. and you'll see more and more of it now I think in the fitness space. I think it's a huge growing space, but mm. we just didn't want to have too much mobility with, and there is mobility within Pilates, right? But having it within the workout and taking away from the workout, like yeah. if we put a 15-minute mobility flow into a strong session, people are only getting 30 minutes of, of a workout really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, I'm really happy with that one. Um, a few other big things we did with Journey was l- like literally making people drink four litres of water a day Yeah. Um, and sleep eight hours or seven to nine hours was our recommendation. But these little things like forget nutrition, forget movement, just these little things are, are super, super important and people overlook them, I mm-hmm. think, a lot of the time. Yeah. Hydration's massive. Pe- Huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's crazy. People do not drink three litres of water a day. No, it's crazy. You you are right. And it's like the most basic thing is just to drink water. But for some reason, like it's just something that people don't often do or sleep like you said sleeping to have enough hours of sleep and and good quality sleep too right so we want to have unbroken sleep if we can so I really love them now you mentioned earlier but one thing that people might not have known about you is that you are a pretty awesome freaking piano player which is so cool I think I'm a piano player too so um yeah and I've so I've heard you play like a a few little videos on on um Instagram and like, I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I hear piano music, there's just something about it. And if it's just piano on its own, it's just something that I, I can't even, I think this is why people use the terminology, music is the language of the soul, because there's something that just kind of hits you and you can't even really put into words, I think, um, how music can affect you. So I'm, I'm interested to know, I guess, what does music mean to you? Because it is it was an important part of your childhood and growing up, right? Yeah, yeah. I was made to do piano when I was five. Um, and <laughs> it was, you, you know what? It gave me a really amazing creative outlet 
through all of high school um, when I was probably struggling with a few things and I, I really needed to um, express myself. Um, piano, yeah, piano was amazing and it was a really good starting instrument as well. Like I, I actually got a music scholarship to my high school and my teachers were like, the piano space is so competitive. So we actually want you to do, um, for your VCE, we want you to do bass guitar. So I had to pick up bass guitar and I ended up topping my year for bass guitar. Wow. But I learnt, I learnt the basics because piano, bass clef, treble clef, so left hand, right hand, mm. bass guitar is all bass clef. It's all yeah. like you learn the fundamentals. Um, and so I found it a really, really amazing stepping stone to also other instruments and, mm. and just having the ability to probably interpret data and stuff like that. I think it's right. all very similar. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's Fascinating. It's, it's, um, it does take a level of concentration, right? Yeah. And I've always really struggled to concentrate and I think that it's really helped me um, just be a better learner in general. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. I do feel like when you are playing the piano or any kind of instrument, you kind of do get into what's called a flow state. And so you literally can't really think about anything else. Or if you do start thinking about it or you start to be conscious of what you are playing, mm. that's when you kind of fuck up. Right, but if you could just kind of in it, like it just kind of comes, and it, like, it's like a meditation, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it is very calming. Yeah, um, yeah. And and now that we're talking about this, I feel like I should be playing a lot more. Like, because yeah. when I'm stressed, I used to play, and now I, I kind of I just don't. I just you know I just get on with whatever work I'm doing or whatever. But mm. it's it's a good. It's actually a really nice reminder to to get back into it and... Yeah, and well, you're so good at it. And, like, you don't ever... I, I feel like you don't ever really... Like, even if you've not been playing for a long time, you sort of... You might... It might take a couple of minutes, but you get straight back and your fingers just kind of know what to do. So kind of tying this into fitness because I, I feel like because you're into music, I feel like you, you're you conscious of this, but you, what you've done really well with F45, but particularly with Strong, um, can you speak to the correlation between movement and music and why that's so important? Because it kind of really adds to the whole experience of the workout. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, with, with Strong, when we're on the Pilates side, we slow it down, we play R&B. Um, and it's all about that time under tension, you know, the four seconds down, four seconds up, um, really slowing it down. Um, and so that's sort of where music plays an important part not only from a workout perspective, but also massively from a vibe perspective, mm, right? Yeah. So when we're rowing, the lights go down, it almost becomes like a, a bit of a nightclub in there and we pump deep house and, you know, the beats are going <laughs> and it just, you know, people get up and about and it's just a really cool environment. Um, mm. But you, you're totally right. There's definitely correlation between movement and music and um, and people like you literally put on slower beats, R&B, and people slow down and actually work in the rhythm of the music. It's really, really cool to see. Yeah. And when we want them going nuts on the rower, you know, we, we smash the beats and they go crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's awesome. They're getting that big calorie burn and they're probably not even realizing that they're working so hard yeah. because the music's really supporting sort of that aspect of their brain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And another thing about music is that it really can change your emotional state. So, it, like you said, you don't, you might not even realize that you are working at a harder, higher intensity, but it will just naturally change your physiology as well. One of the big things that I like to talk to my guests about is rejection and failure because we all experience that. So, I'm really excited to find out what is your biggest failure or rejection. And what have you learned from it? So I think from a business standpoint, like I've tried and failed a few things and it's really helped me a lot. I had a yoga studio called Remedy Yoga back in the day in Mooney Bonds and it lost money and it was hard and I thought that I found this beautiful space and I was like, cool, I'm just going to make it a yoga studio and I put fuck all research into it and I thought I could just hire 10 yoga teachers and it would be fine and it it needed care, it needed mm. the community, it needed someone running it. Um, it needed um, some sort of story behind it and needed proper brand guidance. And um, and I, I just failed, like I failed miserably. We, we sold it at a, at a loss and mm. um, that was such an important lesson. Um, yeah, I think that for me really set me up 
for strong. Like that was the first thing I'd done that was my own, right? And I failed. So, mm. it, you know, when I got the opportunity to build a new business model, really analyzed everything. How many beds do we need? Um, you know, what's our price point? What's what's our instructors? What, what qualifications do our instructors need? How are we going to source our instructors? Do we need to um, literally qualify our instructors? Do we need to take them through an academy? Do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? Mm. It was the the care and the thought that went into strong. Um, I think a big part of it was was learning off that failure. So yeah, um, yeah it's it's a good thing. It is a good yeah. thing. Failure is is great for for learning things, I suppose. And and how do you know unless you give it a go and try and see what happens? I guess. Which is um. And now what you've learned is you've put that all into strong, which is so good. Um. And my final question for you is: if you had a life philosophy that you try to live your life by, what would that be? This is sort of one that like it's it's quite a common quote, but um, it's. It's it's based around if it was easy, everyone everyone would be doing it. Like particularly with our business stuff, um, I think we accept the challenges that come our way. Like pe- people probably don't understand how much actually goes into sort of running a franchise or running a business at that, right? Mm. And it is so it's constantly it's constant problem solving, like every single day. Um, and I think it's just accepting the fact that. Um, if you want to achieve greatness, you need to go. You need to put in the hard yards. You need to cop the shit, and mm. you need to be prepared to put in the hours. Um, yeah, as I said, it's that whole quote. If it was easy, everyone would do it, because everyone is not doing it, and mm. there's a reason that everyone's not doing it. It's because, um, yeah, it's it takes discipline and time, and um, yeah. So that's sort of that's sort of my 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 work life philosophy at the moment. Mm. Um, because it is literally a roller coaster, like every single day. So um, we just sort of need to accept that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And almost like t- like everything is hard, but you've kind of got to choose your hard, right? Like this, this life is hard. There's things mm. that happen to you. So it's um yeah, I think it's important to I guess accept that and just kind of like do the best you can with it, right? Well. Thanks so much for being on the show, Rams. It's been such an amazing chat. I feel like we got stuck into quite a few bits and pieces. So, yeah, it's been really, really great. And to see you in person, which is fab as well. Yeah, it's nice to do this in person. Yeah. Um, I much prefer this than a Zoom. I've than done a Zoom. It's, Zoom's been just <laughs> – I just never want to go on another Zoom again. So, yeah, thanks for um, thanks for taking the time to chat as well. It's oh, good. No worries. Now, where can people find you? Where can they find Strong? Where can they find Journey? One of your websites and Instagram and whatnot. So strong is one word, strong <laughs> on, on Instagram. Um, my Instagram's Rams legit. I hate it, but I can't change it. Um, and then journey is just journey retreats. But yeah, um, jump on social media. You should be able to find it all there. It's yeah, all, yeah, it's all pretty easy. Make sure you check it all out, guys. There's amazing stuff. And also, obviously, Strong's everywhere. It's going to be everywhere in Australia and and Journey. There's obviously dates coming up and um, follow Rams as well. So thank you so much again, Rams, for being on the show. And thank you guys for listening. So make sure you tell us what you loved about this episode, what you learnt. Leave it in the review on Apple Podcasts and also screenshot it and share it to your IG stories and tag us. And we'll catch you next time on the Rach Active Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,